And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here with Corey Pronman for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series, our World Junior Recap episode. Corey, you're still on site there uh, as the, the chaos unfolds. Uh, amazing finish to this game. Really a, a, fit, a finish befitting the entire tournament. Yeah, you might hear some of the Canadian fans uh, funneling out of here uh, as they continued a, a long celebration of yet another World Junior Gold Medal. And uh, you mentioned, yeah, a, a great gold medal game. And since we recorded uh, with Chris after the end of the round robin, I think we recorded actually right before the end of the round robin, it's, there's been a series of just incredible medal round games. Uh, you had that, that thrilling Canada-Slovakia overtime game in the, that went, that, in the quarterfinals. Sweden-Finland was a great quarterfinal game. And you had, of course, Canada-USA in the semis, uh, a Czech-Sweden semis that went to overtime. A great bronze medal game between Sweden and, and USA, and then a, a fantastic gold medal game between Canada and Czechia uh, that, that went through a very long three-on-three overtime process before it, it eventually concluded. Just a really highly entertaining tournament, and the fans that were here and watching at home, I think, felt very uh, entertained and rewarded uh, for tuning into this one. Absolutely. I, I mean, let, let's start with Team Canada because they do get the win. Um, well, you mentioned that Slovakia game, and it, you can't tell that story without the heroics of Connor Bedard. But sure, in total, just the to me, the response from Team Canada could not have started their tournament on a tougher note, and to come back and and you know they, even in this gold medal game, real yeah, adversity, like they yeah, they blow a lot of it. they blow a two zero lead, and and 
all of a sudden, you know, they could tighten up and they find a way to get it done. I think that's kind of the defining trait of this Canadian group when you look back on it is, is how they responded when, when it got tough. Yep, and kind of similar to the Summer World Junior, too, and how that gold medal game went. But no, yeah, this team had a lot of adversity. And despite how loaded this Canadian roster looked on paper, there were lots of issues that kind of popped up with it throughout the tournament. Uh, the reliance on Connor Bedard and that line with him and Logan Stankoven and eventually Joshua Waugh that formed together uh, was really apparent throughout the tournament. A lot of those lines were not getting going on a consistent basis. Um, a lot of their defensemen were not really providing the kind of impact you would have hoped they were going to give him. Um, and then as the tournament kind of concluded, that started to get a little bit better. Uh, Brand Clark was the victim on the second check goal, but then he made the play that led to the overtime goal. But what was really interesting to me was that that top line, that at least the one that was listed on paper is the top line, obviously Bedard's line was Canada's top line, uh, of Shane Wright in between Brent Othman and Dylan Genther. They were good, you know, played a lot of minutes, they were good two-way, they, you know, they had some offense, but they weren't dominant for given the talent on that line. And in a big moment in the gold medal game, Shane Wright had one of the best games I've ever seen from him, and Dylan Genther scores two really important goals. Uh, obviously the overtime winner on that 2-on-1, and then that classic Dylan Genther goal where he finishes a, a chance from the circles with a really elite shot. Um, and, and I think that was a, a great culmination of a game for Team Canada where they didn't rely on Bedard after he did practically everything for them through his, his, you know, his skill, his shot, his playmaking, his pace throughout the rest of the tournament. Let's stay on Shane Wright for a second. We are going to get to Connor Bedard, but for the ups and downs that this kid has been through in the last several months, to have this kind of game on this stage, uh, to have this moment that he has getting to take the trophy uh, and, and kind of get his moment in the sun, the significance of that and, and what's next for him here, especially as we had seen him kind of coming on a little bit um, even before this tournament in the AHL. It's great for Shane. Obviously, he hasn't gotten maybe the ice time he's wanted in the first half of this season. A really, you know, tumultuous last couple of years for Shane Wright. is an incredible, exceptional status season as a 15-year-old. Uh, then as a 16-year-old, doesn't play outside of that one tournament at the U18s in Dallas. His actual draft season, his 17-year-old season, really up and down, not that impressive. And then he comes here, and for most of the tournament, he's not playing too, too well. He's getting a lot of shit, you know, from people, you know, ar around Canada. And, and to have that moment where he was impactful, and not just the highlight real goal, it was a great goal and one of the best goals I've seen him score, but it was like he was competing, he was pressuring guys, he was creating a lot of uh, really positive things for Canada at both ends of the ice, and it was great to see. Now, S Seattle has been doing really well of late. Uh, you know, they've have an elite offense in the NHL. Uh, as we're recording this right now, I think they're, they're up on Toronto considerably. I, it's hard to see how Shane Wright fits in that lineup at this current moment when this is a team that's pivoted from, you know, not a great NHL team to, hey, we could be a playoff team right now. And, and my best guess, and just this is both just a speculation but also kind of informed from talking to people around the league is I think he will end up going back to the OHL for the second half of the season. And, and is, you think that's the right call at this point for, for him and in his development? I think so. Otherwise, he's going to be got that, that first half where he's not really playing in Seattle. He's a healthy scratch. Maybe he gets conditioned, you know, loaned down for two weeks. He won't get consistent playing time. Um, 
go back to junior, be an elite junior player, maybe win an OHL championship. I'm not, I don't know if that last part is a for sure. We'll see where he ends up and how, and how things go. But, but I, I don't think Seattle right now is the best fit for him. Well, I do think it's interesting. I mean, what you just talked about with his game tonight and, and the way it wasn't just the goal, it's the competing, it's the pressuring. You know, Even in the run-up to the draft, this these were the things we were talking about is what made Shane Wright such an appealing prospect. Not not just that he could score, and we've, we've always known he had that shot to him, um, but that he was this dimensional player. And I think, you know, it, it's hard to be that player uh, at, at 18 years old in the NHL. And so if he can sure. continue to... To go back to junior and, and he can really be that force. And he kind of got away from that a little bit in his draft season. This, yeah. the player we saw today was vintage Shane Wright. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's get now to Connor Bedard. Obviously, sure. probably the story of the tournament. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, the best ever by an under-18 player. Yeah, I mean, he was just incredible. Um, when you consider that this is a, a 17-year-old, a very young 17-year-old, who doesn't turn 18 until the summer, and you know, he was the, the clear best player at this tournament by a considerable margin. Uh, it's, that's not something you really see ever from a 17-year-old. Like when, let's say, even like when he, he was draft eligible, Alexi uh, Lafreniere was here, you know, he was a late birthday. He was an 18-year-old. And he was the best player here. He wasn't the clear best player. When Rasmus Dallin won his MVP, he was, he was up there, but he wasn't, you know, miles above everybody else. This was a pretty rare performance by a draft eligible player. And you could kind of maybe nit, you know, nitpick and be like, well, if Mitchkov was here, who knows what would have happened. But, but he wasn't. And this was the Connor Bedard show. It was the Connor Bedard show on a nightly basis. He impacted the game in so many ways. You know, I've never seen a Team Canada lean on a 17-year-old like this. Um, I, you know, I don't recall Crosby's World Juniors, but from the ones that I've watched, it was a pretty rare performance. It, he gave you that feeling almost every time he touched the puck in the offensive zone that something could be about to happen. I mean, especially uh, as this game tonight went on, you thought there was no way he wasn't going to find a way to score the overtime winner. I think it's interesting when you talk about you know Dylan Genther and, and a player who's played in the NHL this season and been okay. Like he's pr- managed to produce close to a half point per game in the NHL. Uh, Connor Bedard just doubled up and, and then some what, what Dylan Genther did. Uh, scoring-wise at this event, and I, I wonder, Corey, is, is Connor Bedard the best player not in the NHL right now? I mean, the answer is clearly yes. Uh, you know, 
as things stand right now, it's hard to, to think of anything otherwise. You know, again, we can, it's, Mitch Koss kind of in a unique place over there in Russia. It's hard to know exactly where his game is, given how limited his, his game action has been this season. Uh, but as the facts stand right now, yes, he is the clear best player not, out, not in the NHL. He will be in the NHL next season, and he will be an excellent NHL player for a long time. Will it, you know, I don't know how good he'll be right away as a rookie. You know, time will tell on that, um, but, and, and things could change. But as it stands right now, I, you're looking at a guy who looks like he's going to be an elite NHL player. Is it at center? Is it at the wing? That's, those, those are questions that need to be answered. I think anybody that's going to pick him first overall will have to at least try him at center. Um, he's been such an, you know, a game-breaking player in the, at the junior level at center. I think you have to try it. Um, and then this looks like a guy you, you turn around a rebuild with. How about Logan Stankovic, a guy who, obviously, on, on the Connor Bedard line, uh, did he change his profile? Did he change what people should expect from him in any way at this tournament? I thought this was, a, I think, not just this tournament, uh, but I think in general, and I've watched him in Kamloops this season, he's just playing with so much pace right now. And that was something what wasn't something I always saw from him in his junior career. Um, and it's why he was able to play center on that top Canadian line. It's, it's, even though he's not the biggest guy, he has so much uh, competitiveness in his game. And he's playing fast. He's, he is fast. And he has a lot of skill and creativity to go with that Stan Coven looks like a really excellent pro prospect right now. You know, is he going to bring all of that scoring with him to the NHL? You know, probably not. He is five foot eight, five five foot nine. There is going to probably he's not. I don't know if he's going to be you know this star score in the NHL. But I see a guy who could be a top six forward in the NHL. Um, and I, you know, every time I've watched Canloops and watched him here at the World Juniors, he's just looked outstanding. All right, let's talk about the checks now. And and honestly, Corey, I'm even more impressed with this Czech team today than I was when we recorded our mid tournament update. When I think they were still technically in in position to win their group. I don't know if we recorded that before or after the Sweden game, but um, they did win the group, and obviously they have a, a, a tough disappointment tonight to lose in overtime after coming so far. But I think I'm as impressed with them now as I was ever to, to fight back against Sweden, to fight back and even get this game to overtime. A team that, that, that Czechia uh, should be incredibly proud of. Yes, I mean, this was their first gold medal game in 20 years and it was a really impressive group effort, I thought. Yes, they had the star players that did very well. Uh, you know, David Yerichek, in my opinion, was the best defenseman at this tournament. Uh, you had the other two defensemen on the other pairing, Stanislav Svozil and David Spachek, who played very well. That top line of Matias Sapavalev in between Yeri Kulic and Emperor Saleh were excellent. Kulic, in particular, I was been just so impressed by his development over the last two years. That second line, which maybe not had as much high-end NHL talent, but Yaroslav Shmalash, um, Jakub Brabranek, and Gabriel Sturz, I think, also played very well in this tournament. The goaltender, Thomas Sakonik, played very well. Uh, so it was a group effort, um, and I think that you will see NHL players come out of this group, and in particular, Yerichek. Uh, you look at what he's done in the American League this year, a point-per-game defenseman right away after the draft, and then he comes here and, and puts on this kind of performance where he looks like a really impactful two-way defenseman uh, with skill and physicality and scoring ability. Uh, I think if you're a Columbus fan, you have to be really happy by what you're seeing right now. Another one of the Czech guys who I think probably put themselves on the radar for a lot of people at this event is David Spacek, the, the wild prospect. 
I did not know a ton about him coming into this tournament, but obvi- and obviously very productive, but I think just had a really good overall event. Yeah, I, I probably underrated his skating a little bit. His skating looked pretty strong. He was making plays. He was competing well. The size is, might, might be a little bit of an issue with him for the NHL, but uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I've upgraded him as an NHL prospect. I think he's got a chance to be an NHL player, even at that size for a defenseman. Uh, that pair with him and Spozil, who also is having a very good yes. season between both junior and now at this tournament uh, was highly impressive. And the co- I thought it was interesting that the Czech coaches, when they had a chance to nominate their players uh, for who they thought the best three players were for them in the tournament, they didn't pick Jiracek, they picked uh, Spachuk. That is interesting, and, and, and you know, ultimately with a team this good, it was always someone was always going to get snubbed. Juracek does get the uh, def- best defenseman of the tournament award from the directorate, so he gets his award. Maybe they're just spreading it around to make sure Spachek gets love. But sure. this goes back to what we talked about last time. I mean, the, we haven't even really talked too much about Spozel there, um, who, who was excellent as well. So it, it's, it was a, a really good all-around Czech blue line um, and a really good tournament for them. I, I'm sure uh, some heartbreak, but, but ultimately a huge accomplishment. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When you're trying to grow a business, the caliber of person you bring in to help you do that is really important. And LinkedIn makes it really easy to interview the right people for the role, quality people. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, Over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional. On LinkedIn, 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NHL show. That's linkedin.com slash NHL show to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Corey, let's go now to you to the U.S. and in the U.S. team that was probably built to win the exact kind of game that they won in the bronze medal game, eight to seven over Sweden. It was pure fire wagon hockey. Uh, never felt like it was over until the very end. Uh, and, and ultimately, you know, I'm curious how you think this team USA team uh, will be kind of remembered because, you know, they finished with the bronze. That's a good outcome by any measure. Um, but what's kind of your takeaway overall on, on this United States team? I thought they were an excellent team, and I thought in that semifinal against Canada, there were long stretches where they looked like they could play with them and where they looked like they could have won that game. Ultimately, they lost the goaltending battle there, and, and I don't want to fault Trey Augustine too much. He's a 17-year-old goaltender. That's a very uh, tall task to ask of a 17-year-old to stop a Team Canada with, with all of their weapons, yeah. including Connor Bedard. But it was just a matter of the fact that... that Canada got the saves and Thomas Milich in that game. 
and USA could not get the stops uh, with, with Trey Augustine in net. But otherwise, I thought the team competed hard. I thought they were creating offense. I thought their, you know, their, their top line was doing all the things that make them successful. I didn't think Luke Hughes was amazing in that game, but I thought he was good. He had the nine shots on goal. He had the one that went off the post. Uh, he was doing the things that usually make him successful outside of maybe one or two shifts that he would like to have back. Um, and, and the bronze medal game, again, you know, all, all that offense. Uh, you got to even see that second line with, 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 with Lucius on there scoring a hat trick where he didn't have a big tournament up until that point. It was great to see him get the hat trick there. Um, but, and you know, I think... I didn't think that they were a gold medal favorite coming to this season. I think next year is the USA's year potentially win another gold medal. When you're going to have those 0-4s, you know, Snuggerud, McGrory, Gauthier, Frank Nazar, maybe if Logan Cooley, if he's available, to add on to Will Smith and, and, and uh, Ryan Leonard, Oliver Moore, Charlie Stramwell, Gavin Brindley, maybe even a, a Hagens or an Eisenman onto this team. I think next year will be their year to, to be the favorite. Arizona uh, did Team Canada a solid in in, 20, in this tournament uh, by loaning Dylan Genther, and, and maybe they do the same for the U.S. next year uh, with Logan Cooley. But uh, I, I'm, let's let's key in on Luke Hughes for a second. You talked about it. I think Luke Hughes kind of took a little bit of online heat over over the course of the last couple of days, and you know you kind of mentioned it. I, I didn't personally feel like he had a bad event. I mean, obviously he, he's as impactful offensively as I think you hope Luke Hughes is. But what's your overall read on his tournament? Yeah, I don't think he had a bad event either, I don't, and the U.S. team didn't feel that way as well. That out of all the the great players they had to pick from, they nominated him as one of their best right. players in in the tournament. You know, ahead of say a Cutter Goche or or some some of the other talented players on their team. And Luke, I think by the way he plays, inspires a little bit of division because you know he stands out because his skating is so special, especially for a guy that size and he has the, the skill and, and the creativity, but he plays on the edge. Like he tries to dance guys at the blue line where he's the last man back and he's one-on-one. And you saw it several times at that tournament. He makes that play and it doesn't work, but he's, his skating is so good. He can get back and recover, but when it doesn't work and he, you know, he can't compensate for some of his aggressiveness or maybe him getting a little too over aggressive or a little too lackadaisical, with, with how he kind of floats around there, it looks really bad uh, from, a, from a visual perspective. But I think if you look at the body of work of all the, the entries, the exits, the passes, the scoring chances he's creating, I think in, in aggregate, from all the games I watched here, he was one of the best defensemen here. Even if, uh, you know, I think with Luke Hughes, you and I, I think Quinn Hughes was the same way, to be quite honest, is you ride the wave a little bit with him. I think when any time you have that, that kind of offensive defenseman who wants to have the puck on a stick at all times, um, you know maybe a, like Dougie Hamilton could be like this a lot, for example. That you know you you just you, you gotta live with the downs of those waves because you know there's gonna be a lot more ups too. Yeah, it won't be the first or last time we've kind of had a conversation along those lines with Luke Hughes, but I do kind of wonder if if it also you know the way Team USA was built made it kind of inevitable that that it it would come up in this tournament. They did not have that. Classic shutdown pair, really. No, their their blue line was like really unimpressive outside of Luke. Like you know, there's they had just a bunch of small, immobile, puck moving defensemen. Like 
like Barron's a nice player, and you know Hudson has been really good in in college this year. But like between those guys and and Middlestad, Peart, Ufko, like so many of those guys that look really similar, there's there was no guy there who was a really rock defensively, and I think you saw that against Canada. Uh, I thought those those two outside of the Luke Barron's pair. That, that being the, the hudson Middlestad pair and the ufco Peart pair, I thought they really struggled in that game. and Because I just don't think they had the depth in the blue line to match up against all those threats that Canada had. So we knew coming in that the top line for the U.S. was going to have to do a lot of the, the heavy lifting. And I think they accomplished that in, in large part. I mean, Logan Cooley obviously makes the all-tournament team. He had a great tournament. I mean, sure. I, I think uh, you referenced the... Yeah, you referenced, you know, if, if not for Connor Bedard, he might be the, the story of this tournament. Um, but Jimmy Snuggerud was also every bit as good as he's been at Minnesota this year, I'd say. Yeah, and I think saying how good and talented Logan Cooley is has gotten a little bit old. Everybody <laughs> knows he's a dynamic skater, has all this skill. He's, you know, he buzzes around the ice. We've seen it for years. It's, it's like almost like Jimmy Snuggerud's almost like the new kid in town. You're like, oh, hey. You're you're really good too. Like, look how good you've been in college this year, and now and right. now one of the best players here. That's that's really interesting, and it is. I mean, you he went in the twenties in the draft at, in the 2022 NHL draft. He wouldn't go in the twenties if he redid that draft right now. His skating still isn't great, uh, but man, he's got skill. He he competes like a bastard. He's got scoring ability. I mean, he's just he's 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 an awesome hockey player, and and obviously Cooley looks was was really good too there too. And even though I don't think Gauthier was as good as those two, he was still very good on that on that top line as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Cooley to me is just. He's so dynamic. Like you can go if you have a chance in the second half, you need to watch that Minnesota Gophers team to with with him and Snuggerud and, and Nye. I'm talking to you, Max, but also to generally our, our listeners too, because that line is just so fun to watch right now. I believe it. I mean, the way that Snuggerud, you know, pulled that uh, puck off the wall and gets it in front to Cooley, like you know, you, you can just see that he's going to be a, a multi-dimensional player in the NHL, and I think St. Louis is going to be really glad to have him. Anyone else on the American team? Um, that you wanted to kind of highlight here, whether it was Rucker McGrory or Gavin Brindley, who had his moments I, at this time. I think I think both Brindley and Charlie Strangle on that fourth line helped themselves a lot, um, particularly Strangle, whose whose season looked like it was going in really in the other direction, right? Yeah. Like doesn't have much points in Wisconsin. They're not winning many games. You watch him; he doesn't have to puck much when you watch those games. And, and here, I thought he got to see be more like the Charlie Stramel we were used to seeing. A big, physically imposing, fast centerman with some puck skills. And an offense is not going to be his calling card. But there's enough there with all those physical tools and the work ethic that I think he is an exciting pro prospect. I've talked to scouts here who think he could be a top 15 pick in the draft um, and it wouldn't surprise me that's, if that's ultimately where he ended up. And then last, I guess, of, of what we kind of want to talk about today is, is Sweden. They, they come up just short in the bronze game. Like, like, like I said, it was a thriller. Um, and, and two guys who, no surprise, were involved in it were probably their two best forwards for the event, Philip Bistep and Leo Carlson. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a San Jose Sharks fan, you have to really like what you've seen from Bistep at this tournament. And it wasn't just this tournament. I think you want to make sure you don't fall victim to the to the world junior hype machine a little bit. You know, he's looked really good in the SHL this season. He's had multiple U20 tournaments with Sweden at the August and, and, and November where I thought he played really well, also in conjunction with Carlson at those events. And I, I see a big center who can skate. He has good offense in his game. 
Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of tools there to get really excited about. Like, this is a guy that I, you know, when he was drafted, you saw the tools. We've talked about the tools. We've talked about the upside. But now I think you're seeing a guy who I'm thinking, hey, he can be a top six forward, maybe even a top six centerman in the NHL. And with Leo Carlson, um, who actually was sick at one point in the middle of the tournament, but still bounced back and had some of his best games after he was sick. Uh, you know, really impressive. Shows why he's one of the top draft eligibles in, in the upcoming NHL draft. You know, a unique combination of size, skill, offensive hockey sense. And I, I thought he played with a lot of courage uh, and power in this game. He was probably the only Swedish forward among those high picks that I thought consistently got to the inside and created around the net. And that's partly due to his frame, but it's also partly due to the will in his game and his and he doesn't mind taking a hit to make a play um, between those two uh, they were consistently impressive for Sweden okay I think we can say confidently coming out of this tournament that any debate around number one probably is going to be a lot quieter but I wonder is there now do we have a little bit of drama here for two between Adam Fantilli and Leo Carlson I, I, I actually didn't think Fantilli was as bad at the event as early in the event at least as some people I think felt but I thought toward the end he looked, he turned it on. But Carlson was really good. Yeah, and Fantilli was really good in the middle round. Not really good, but better in the middle round. He actually got yep. a lot of shifts in the overtime, which was interesting. Um, in the overtime against Czechia, um, yeah, I think that the that a, Carlson outplayed Fantilli here. But Fantilli is more talented than Carlson. He is a better skater. Uh, there is a little bit more of a dynamic element there w- with terms of the size, skating, skill combination. Um, I, but I do think it's close. I, I think there are people around the league you can talk to and that would that would prefer Carlson um, because of what because of how competitive, how skilled he is, what he's doing against men. So I think that's interesting debate. And it was also interesting because I remember oh, I was talking uh, to to somebody a few days ago. Um, so go you when you're going back to the 2013 World Junior. I'm not sure if you recall that, Max, but that was the World Junior where uh, Jonathan Drouet and Nathan McKinnon were on the same Canadian team. Okay. And and as the tournament went on, Drouin's responsibility kept going up and up and up. He was on, ended up on the top line, and McKinnon barely played. He was a 12th, 13th forward. Hmm. And obviously, I don't think these two situations are analogous, even though there's like a little bit more like Drouin was a skill guy and McKinnon was the physical tools guy. You know, I think the gap is much larger from this one than it was from that one. But, uh, you know, whether it's Bedard or Carlson Fantilli or anybody else, we still got a half a season left. A lock's probably going to change when it comes to the draft. There might even be a name we're not talking about that could emerge. I mean, Mitchkov now going to get uh, consistent playing time in the KHL. What does he do with that? Um, all kinds of, of things could change over the next six months. You know, I've, you know, I mean, hell, David Reinbacher was really good in spurts here. You know, I wouldn't surprise me if his name starts to buzz really, really high in the draft. Um, you know, things always change. But in terms of number one, yes, it's fair to say at right now the gap is quite, quite significant. If we had to do the draft right now, um, nobody – it's hard to make an argument that anybody is close to Bedard after not just what he's done here but just this track record for the last few years. His, his dominant U18s when he was a 15-year-old, his great overall junior career, uh, what he did at the World Juniors as a 16-year-old, and now this, in, this MVP performance as a 17-year-old. Uh, you know, he's the guy. I don't, I don't think when I say that, I don't think it takes anything away from Fantilli. I think it just sure. tells you like we have this this really exciting class this year. And I, I think Carlson showed yeah. that by being yeah. Yeah. one of the better. I mean, one of the very best forwards on a on a Sweden team that yeah. had a ton of talent, although yeah. some of that talent maybe left you wanting more as, as the tournament went on other than Bestead and Carlson. 
Right, I'll touch on that, but like on the one last thing on Fantilli, I, I, I yeah. agree. You know how much I love Uri Slavkovsky. Our listeners know that. You know, Fantilli's a better prospect than Slavkovsky is, and I would argue by a significant margin. Like, yeah. you know, I, I think the world of Fantilli, but there's just there's that, there's that gap there at one. On Sweden, yeah. you're right. Now, it's interesting talking about that after what happened in the bronze medal game, where they had that offensive outburst. And if that team had showed up a little bit more consistently, we might be talking about a different team, Sweden, right now. Maybe one that was in the gold medal game. Maybe one where we're talking about how all these first-rounders had really strong tournaments. But that wasn't the case. Um, Jonathan Lekaramaki, the Vancouver first-round pick, got benched in the medal round. Uh, Noah Oseland, who was very good today in the bronze medal game, was named player yeah. of the game. He generally was just okay. Got taken off the power play for Sweden. His other year garden linemate, other than Lekaramaki, Liam Ogren, didn't do a ton offensively either. Uh, Fabian Liesel got relegated to the to the 13th forward in the, in the bronze medal game, had zero points in the tournament leading up to that, and then takes a match penalty in the first couple of minutes. You know, a very forgettable tournament for him. In general, you, again, there was a lot of young players on this team, Sweden. I think next year they're going to be in a much better situation uh, to potentially contend in the tournament. I think you're going to have that. It's basically going to be the age group that won the U18 Worlds, and you're going to add, I think, a very impactful Leo Carlson into that mix. I think they'll be better situated in, in that type of tournament. They were young here, but given how much talent they had up front, I was expecting a little bit more offense. If I had told you coming into this tournament that Philip Bistet was going to be their clear offensive leader, that probably would have concerned you a little bit. Unless I was uh, an employee of the San Jose Sharks, yes. Cor- correct. And I, and I like Bistet. I'm not trying to, to yes. discredit Bistet. But, no, no, but no like, doubt. Uh, but like when you looked at this age group historically, even like that, that 04s, when, you know, Osland, like Ramaki, Ogren, um, you know, Bistet wasn't the clear leader of that group, at least offensively. Even when you go into that, to that U18 Worlds, he was the second power play guy, not, not the top power play guy among that sure. group. Um, but, but kind of hearkening back to a previous discussion we just had a few minutes ago, as time moves on, things change. Yep. Absolutely. I think we could probably have, we could probably fit Finland in here as we talk about this too. I mean, I'll be, real, finished, I'll, be a, I'll be real quick on that one. They sucked. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't a good tournament for them. And, and we talked at the, in the previous episode, Finland always shows up for these events, and they just didn't have it at this one. They have, like, the ups and downs. Like, they've had those two years where in, like, the last decade where they went to the relegation round. Now, the relegation round used to include more teams, not just the bottom two teams, so that made things a little bit different. And then they've had, you know, several gold medals. So they've had these, like, these weird fluctuations with, with their talent pool. And so, like, I don't mean to say that they were... They massively underperformed. I think you looked at the roster and you didn't expect a whole lot out of them. But it's still Finland, so there's an in the back of your mind. You're like, oh, somebody's going to emerge. There's some, there's some good player here that I'm, that I'm you know, not giving enough credit to that's going to pop and help them win some games. And it didn't happen. It really didn't. You know, there, was, there was nobody. Like Joachim Kamel, the Nashville first-round pick, was good. You know, he was somewhat consistent. But there really wasn't like a guy or two on this team that was going to like consistently create offense for them and help them win hockey games. All right, one more guy I want to touch on before we wrap up here is is the Slovak goalie Adam Gajan, uh, a player who I think is going to catch a lot of people have caught a lot of people by surprise over the last uh, two weeks. But he's, he's eligible for this coming draft, Corey, and I want to know what did he do to improve his stock at this event. Well. I will answer that question, but as we are talking, Chris Peters is walking by me right now. And Hello. He... Hello, Chris. <laughs> uh, this doesn't count. We're not paying you for this one. 
they wanted to let you know that this doesn't count. You're not being paid for that, that hello. <laughs> okay. Max wants to know what you thought of Adam Guyon. Oh, I mean, that was I, an out-of-nowhere performance that I thought was incredible on a number of levels. Nobody really knew about him. I mean, I had heard of him before was aware that he was getting his start in the USHL. And you everything. were aware he was a human? Was aware that he was a guy. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden he, he shows up here and you know they throw him right into the fire against the U.S. He was incredible in that game, the best player on the ice. You know, And then really did give them a chance against Canada, which nobody saw coming. So for me... Um, you know, I have no issue with him uh, winning the directorate award because I think that without him, Slovakia doesn't get as far as they we do. were debating that going in because that that was my vote on the media award was was for Guy and my argument yeah. was he beat Team USA and he took a Team Canada to the brink and that and those were the two best offensive teams in the tournament yeah. and that for me sealed the deal even if he didn't have the sample size which is why I think some people lean to Sakanic or or or, or Limbaugh or Milich right right and I think that's that that in the end became the deciding factor for me as well but I, I'm glad that he got something yeah. out of this because he absolutely deserves to be yeah, remembered he, and, for the and, tournament and he, he is. At least in my the clear best pro prospect goalie at this tournament, right? Like I, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think all of a sudden you're you're starting to talk about, hey, this this is a guy we need to get up our boards yeah. immediately. Yeah. Does is there any rhyme between him and what we saw from Peter Kochakov when he was a draft eligible for for Russia? He was named best goalie of the tournament, kind of came out of nowhere as a 19 year old. All of a sudden now he's he's a he's the goalie for Carolina. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's the guy that definitely comes to mind because of how he came out of nowhere. I mean, also, a lot of people were so, making that Dennis so, Godlock comparison, so, but he wasn't a no, pro prospect. But you look between him and Kochakov, similar size, similar athleticism, right? Yeah, I would say so. I think the thing that always stood out to me about Kochakov was his ability to his competitive drive and the ability to fight through traffic and make these saves that you wouldn't expect him to make. And I thought Guyon did that throughout this entire tournament. His best performance for me was the game against Canada, which he ultimately loses. Um, and it took a, a, a masterpiece from Connor Bedard to win that game. Yeah, he, so, frust- he frustrated Bedard a couple of times time, in that game. Big time, big time. And I, I, I'm a big, I, I love those kind of moments. I think this tournament provides those kind of moments. But for me, this is just a, a start. This is not the, this is, this is not just a flash in the pan. I mean, we, we, he was starting to get there already. So I would say that this is, you know, the beginning of something pretty special for that young man. And he'll be back here next year. Oh yeah. I mean, probably the number one right away instead of (laughs) after the fact. Well, he was like a number, he our listeners may not know the whole story. He wasn't on the initial roster. I don't think he was really on Slovakia's radar, really, to be quite honest. And all of a sudden, they kind of just brought him in after he had a couple of good games in the USHL. In the USHL, they bring him into their practice, and all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, wait, holy hell, he's the guy." Yeah, I mean, he he really did come out of nowhere, and and you know, he told me that he got a text message the night of his first USHL shutout, and they said, "We got a spot for you," and and and, and he was there. Um, you know, on a plane the next day. And this is a guy that has never played in a major international competition for Slovakia. He did play within their program, sure. their development program, but did never got the tournament games, never got the chance. Um, he actually grew up with Philip Mayshar, and, and Philip was saying, I knew how good he was, but I didn't necessarily, like, you know, he wasn't getting the sure. opportunity. He gets the opportunity, and then he runs with it. Got to be the best null performance you've seen at the World Juniors in a long time. Y- yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> go, I would say it has so. Has to go back to like when the NTDP was in the was in the was in the NA, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Chris, thank you for the cameo. Yep. No we'll, problem. We'll, we'll, Tell we'll, him we'll, since we'll, he gave all that analysis. Now I will pay him. 
He said, they said the check's in the mail for the guy in analysis. Oh, wow. All right. I'll take it. Thanks, guys. Have fun. I can't wait to be back in the States. We'll see you next time. Awesome. All right. Well, great story there, certainly, and, and a great tournament. Um, we're going to let Corey get on with, uh, with his evening there now. Um, but thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Athletic Hockey Show. You can follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at The Athletic Hockey Show. You can also catch more of Chris. We'll give you much more than he gives in a two-minute uh, impromptu segment over at Flow Hockey and his podcast, Talking Hockey Sense. And right now you can get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. We will talk to you soon.